Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. We're your hosts, Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner. And today we're reviewing an article entitled, Don't Be a Rugged Individualist, Delegate, by Dan Sullivan of Strategic Coach. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Rachel. Um, It's good. I think both of of us should delegate part of this uh, podcast to (laughs) each other. Exactly. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So let's um, jump in real quick to this article. The main idea of this I found as I was reading was that trying to do everything yourself limits the good that you can do. And instead, we want to focus on our own strengths, spend our time in the things that we're great at, and delegate everything else. And by doing that, we accomplish much more together as a team. So Bruce, what did you get out of this article? Well, not only the article, because I've been following Dan Sullivan for probably a good uh, 11 or 12 years now, and I've actually attended some of his workshops. And what I believe Dan is trying, and and, and the entire strategic coach team, um, is that when, when somebody tries to do things themselves, it's very inefficient. And I use this example all the time, and I hope some of our listeners can, can understand this, but when I rake my leaves in the fall in St. Louis, because we're in a, a four season uh, air temperate climate, um, it takes me approximately eight hours. Well, mm-hmm. then you would think that you would think that if I got somebody else to help me, it would take me four hours and, and them four hours. And presuming that we both work at the same pace but what ends up happening it is it doesn't take still um, a total of four man hours. It usually takes anywhere between two and three hours because what happens in a teamwork environment is you start to understand efficiencies of scale. Mm-hmm. So, so you understand that it's better if I blow all the leaves a certain direction and then the other person collects them all and then I hold the bag open while the other right. person puts it in because one of the inefficiencies of trying to bag leaves is <laughs> keeping the dang bag open. Yes, or you can try to hire your um, six-year-old daughter to help you do that, and that's also inefficient. <laughs> right. And so I think what people what, – what Dan always says, it's, it's kind of an eagle thing when people yeah. um, look at themselves as being an individualist. Like, I can't – I'm the only one that can do it this well. And, right. and he says, to, first of all, that's not a very humble way of, of looking at things. But he, what he also says is that even if that's true, just like in my bag, my bagging of leaves example, even if that's true, if you bring more people into the mix, the, efficient, the inefficiencies that uh, you have as an individual suddenly melt away and become um, actually more efficient because of different points of view. The other, the other thing that comes in. Yeah. And the other thing that comes into this is that you get 
um, even if that person isn't as good as you, is you get new and better ideas. And then you can massage those new and better ideas to actually help the entire processes or procedures get even better and better. You know, I, I really agree. And I think it's really tempting to be that rugged individualist, as I love that that terminology and that phraseology, because I think in a lot of ways, it's a skill set that maybe helps us start in entrepreneurship. I mean, you're wearing all the hats, you're doing your own marketing and sales, you have your technical expertise, you're trying to service current clients, maybe you're managing other team members, you might be doing the hiring and the training, you might also be running the supply runs and picking up orders from, I don't know, Costco or Office Max or something. And if you're also cleaning the bathrooms and taking out your own trash, I mean, it could get to a point of being almost ridiculous if you're doing everything yourself as you're trying to grow. And what I see in this is it's almost the the way to move from being a self-employed person to a true business owner, if you think about the cash flow quadrant, the self-employed person has to have uh, everything depends on them. And in order to move over to the business owner side, you have to have a business that is not dependent just on your own skill set. And I think sometimes that's something that's missing when people go into business because they think, well, I have this ability to have this technical expertise in a particular area. And that automatically translates to business owner skill set. And it doesn't, because I really think to become that business owner, you need that team surrounding you so that you can focus on your core area of expertise and then be able to have a business that you're building to be self-sustaining. Yeah. And it's not only it's not only about um, building processes and people that can do the things that need to be done, but it's also about finding the people that have the passion for those particular tasks, because there's, there's things that people just don't care to do. Like, um, uh, right. in, in our situation, yeah, I was going to, I was going to ask Bruce, if you can share a little bit about how your team has managed to do this really well, because I think in the financial services industry is one of the primary places that we see people trying to be rugged individualists and do everything on their own. But you guys have really, pioneered a way to make sure that that doesn't happen with a teamwork environment. Yeah. And it's, and it's continually changing. And I always tell people in a business, well, first of all, I think um, just before I get into that, two thoughts about this is uh, I try to make a daily list of things and the daily list helps me figure out what I'm going to do. And then what I'm going to have somebody else do. And so I start uh, every day trying to do that. And the other thing is when when people when people um, hear this, they a lot of people think this is business owners, and frankly, some people with their own personal economy. Um, when they hear this, they think, "Oh gosh, I couldn't do that because I don't have the time and resources like E three Wealth does, or the money advantage you and I do. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't do that." Well, we've been developing this since nineteen eighty nine. So, I mean, mm-hmm. we're going on 30 years of doing this. So my other my other little tidbit is to take one change at a time. Just try to mm-hmm. figure out one change at a time. I actually have a next door neighbor who is a recovering alcoholic. And we have these conversations about business all the time. And he, he, he says, hey, Bruce, just do it like us alcoholics do. We just take one day at a time. And I yeah. thought, that's pretty... <laughs> That's pretty, you know, a lot of people would be offended by that. But 
you know, he's not offended by it. And, and he's, he's, no. he's exactly right. I mean, the, the most efficient thing is just to say, hey, I'm going to take this one step at a time, one day at a time. Well, I think that's really intuitive, actually, because, I mean, if you really think about it, all we have is right now, this moment. I mean, we can't guarantee our future. The past is the past. You know, it's the history. It's nothing we can actually change. But if we look at saying, how do we be fully present in our day, our moment? How do we do the best we can with our skill set today? Well, you might make small incremental changes. And then, like Dan Sullivan talks about, when those compound and stack up over time, you're going to at some point be able to look back on those and say, wow, look at how far we've come. Instead of saying, oh my goodness, we can't do this going forward, looking at what the vision is of how you want to have a teamwork environment. Yeah. And the thing that, the thing that actually comes into play a lot of times, and we've already kind of mentioned this is, is the ego of thinking that you're the only one that can do it, um, you know, a, a really good way. And, Unfortunately, that that actually plays out on occasion. You know, I I know I try to I I, I think and I, I believe this is correct. I've been in the industry, the financial services industry for 13 years, and I believe I've only taken three life insurance applications in mm-hmm. 13 years. And yet I've been on teams that have done well over 900 of these. And mm-hmm. One of the reasons that just when I start to think about taking a life insurance application, and mainly it's not because it's difficult, it's because it's boring. Um, I just, to, you, right. uh-huh. to me, it's just, I can't plug through it. And then, mm-hmm. and then you have to do follow up as far as paramedics and, and uh, underwriting, underwriters agreements and what they want information. Well, we have a person in our organization that, well, actually, we have three of them. That's all they do is take, um, well, two out of the three, that's all they do is take applications. And then and then we have somebody that all they do is manage the underwriting process. And she actually enjoys it. I think she's weird, but she actually enjoys it. She actually enjoys solving the problems, putting the pieces together. Well, Bruce, I think the interesting part about that is that as you figure out what you're good at, and where your unique ability lies, then you figure out what is the biggest leverage point that you have. If you focus on your core strengths and your core skills, then you're able to be more effective. And you're also able to recognize and tap into those strengths of the people around you. And I think that is the opposite of demoralizing. I mean, that's encouraging and uplifting to a team when you're recognizing, hey, this person has this skill set, we can utilize that skill set. And then together we're stronger. Kind of the the leaf bagging example that you talked about. You're innovating and having more ideas. And I think one of the key ways to make sure that that happens is to become self aware of what your skill sets are, and then also to make sure that you're hiring and building a team around you that has complementary skill sets. So maybe not necessarily the opposite, but they're also not exactly like you in the way that they operate. Yeah, and my skill set, I believe, from my education background, which in, which included, which included in a private school situation, not only raising money but recruiting um, children or students to come to our school. So I was always in front of people, um, mm-hmm. talking to them um, about the about the pros and the cons of the particular school much like I talk to people about the pros and cons of different strategies that they want to employ. 
Um, and I just feel like that's when I'm, I'm, I'm the most, most comfortable, most confident. But I also have a skill set where I, I try to get things done on time. Well, when you delegate and you put things out of your control, there will be times when it doesn't get done as quickly as you would have gotten it done that quickly. And you cannot slip back into your old habits of, well, I'll just take care of it. And I catch myself doing this all the time, um, you know, where I where I will say, well, I may as well just fill this form out because by the time I send it to so-and-so, you know, it's going to take me more time to do that than it will. Or to explain it, right? Explain it, yeah. Uh, same way with scheduling. I try not to schedule. I try to have our client coordinator schedule. But when you're on the phone with somebody and you have your calendar open, right in right in front of you while you're on the phone it you know it'd be very easy just to say well let me see i got this i got this and let's just schedule it for thursday at three o'clock is that okay but it seems like every time i do that i've already forgotten to put something else on my schedule Mm -hmm. so i i I, uh, cause a conflict and then i cause more work for myself going forward which is just fascinating that i really believe that as we implement systems and processes and a team to support us, we are so much stronger together. I mean, that's part of coming together to do the money advantage as well. In we were saying, well, I can just continue to do this whole process and I can do the marketing and the sales and the service and taking all the applications and go through the underwriting process with our own clients, or we can figure out how to be collaborative. And as you're talking about some of your skill sets, We've seen that some of mine are being able to communicate a main idea, a big picture concept in a simple way, as opposed to maybe I don't have all the the infinite number of details on something or fully researching something out isn't my strong my strong suit, but really being able to put something in a compact way in a high level overview or a conceptual way for somebody to be able to understand. And so I really like how we're being able to utilize this delegating unique ability model with the money advantage. And it's really powerful then to be able to say, how do we continue to delegate? And I think one of the reasons people don't delegate is that it costs money. I mean, if Mm -hmm. you're going to hire somebody else to do something that you could do, you're giving up dollars for that. But again, it's, it's the example of saying, well, how much can I actually do on my own if I try to handle it all myself just for the case of not spending money? And how much if you did open yourself up to be able to pay somebody who has that expertise and skill set in a particular area, how much more can you expand your business? I think I heard this said um, by Russell Brunson recently, and this is kind of one of those, I feel like abundance laws of the universe, but it's almost this idea that if you are not willing to hire the expertise of others, they're not going to be willing to hire your expertise. It's kind of this flow, I think, that happens that as we become more self-aware, as we become more humble and saying, here's my skill set and here's all of the skill sets around that, that I need to support the work that I'm doing so that we can all do better together. That's when you might find yourself hiring out um, accounting and CPAs services and business consulting, as opposed to just saying, well, I can do this all myself, which really then limits your ability to grow your business. 
Yeah, I think that's a very good point. You know, you can either inspire people or you can hire people. So it's not only about hiring, but it's also about inspiring. Now, why would a person be inspired to help you rather than just being hired by you to help you? Well, some people see a bigger vision where they may see, hey, um, down the road, I will be able to join this organization or down the road, uh, I may be able to um, have some revenue off of this. A a great example of this is um, one of our uh, resources, uh, Arch Brokerage, our health insurance resource here in Missouri. I said to him, do you realize that that a lot of your clients may be paying more for their Medicare next year because of the IRMA brackets? And uh, that stands income-related Medicare-adjusted amount, which is simply it means the more you make, the more you have to pay for your Medicare now. And he said, oh, that would be great if I can give him that information out. Um, he didn't say, well, what's in it for me? Uh, mm-hmm. But he did all the work as far as setting out the emails and communicating with the people, getting them to our, and we, you know, we had 40 people at the event. Well, he understands that he, he's inspired by our, our resource network that he's been a, uh, a part of for 15 years. He understands that if he provides value, then if there are any kind of sales made and they, the people in our resource network will then compensate him for adding that value. So you can either hire or you can inspire. And people say, well, I don't know. I don't know how to inspire people. Well, then you're, you're going to have to find somebody that you're going to have to hire somebody to inspire people. I mean, it's, 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 you have to, you have to actually uh, figure out how, how to delegate and delegation can be hiring. It can be inspiring, or it can also be inspiring people that are already on your team. So, right. And it can also be, hiring other experts outside, maybe a virtual assistant or somebody to do copywriting or somebody to do social media or putting the marketing technology together in your business. I'm just throwing out some ideas of how you could delegate pieces that maybe you've taken on your own responsibility in your business. And that allows you to grow. And I think the biggest thing that we're kind of pulling out from this article and just what we've seen in business is that as you grow, you'll need to delegate but also in order to grow, you'll need to delegate. So it's not the chicken and the egg. It's not that you delegate because you've grown. You really will grow because you delegate as well. Correct. And probably a good way of doing this to kind of now get it in a more concise way is Strategic Coach has been working on this for um, a couple of decades. And they've kind of um, summarize this into delegation do's and don'ts. So let's go over these do's and don'ts, Rachel, and then we can talk about each individual one as uh, we're inspired as, as the theme of the uh, podcast is. So on, on delegation do's and don'ts, strategic coach says do constantly update your key priorities with your team so everyone is aligned on what's most important. Uh, there are, there are, and the don't, the don't side of that is expecting people to read your mind. Right. right. And, 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 and actually really good teams fall into this because when you're, when you are a really good team, you suddenly feel like, oh, that person knows exactly where I'm going. But, it, mm-hmm. but in business, as you're trying to grow your business, you're the, the importance of different everyday tasks often shifts because the only way you can grow your business 
is to not use the same type of thinking that you were that you use to get your business to this particular point. Now, that's key. yeah. Let me let me. Re- I'm going to say that again because I think that's very important. So the only way to grow your business is by changing the way you think that got your business to that particular spot. And we're going to talk mm-hmm. about this in the future. It's called the, the ten times mind expander. So what we talked about a little bit by looking back a few podcasts ago, we say stay positive by looking back. Look where you were, you know, 10 years ago and you made X amount of dollars. Now you're making 10 times that amount over that period of time. But what did you have to do differently? Well, one of the things hopefully you did differently is you delegated, but you had to keep everybody on the team you had to keep them up to date what what the new priorities are going to be. Right. And not just expecting that what you had thought before was the same way to accomplish the future goals. I mean, as you're growing, you're growing as a person, you're growing as a team, you're growing as an organization. And those growth moments and and changes of mindset need to be communicated so that everyone stays on the same page. Yeah. And uh, so the next one is, Clarify your expectations by specifying how much time and effort you want people to invest. You know, um, this is something that I used to say about um, when I was teaching all the time and coaching. My wife would say, I don't understand why those boys like you so much because you seem so rigid with them. You know, you set these expectations and you don't deviate from those expectations. Well, That is because in my mind, most people feel secure when they know where the boundaries are. So if you, if you, it's when you don't have the boundary, you're like, well, I don't know. Can I, can I go outside of this? Can I spend more money to do this? Can I ask for more time? Because I think if I have another week, then I will actually be able to contact this other vendor and this other vendor needs more time to, to get the bid back to us. But if you just clarify those expectations by specifying how much time and effort you want people to invest. So you go to your purchasing person and you say, hey, we need to get this cardboard box, cost of the cost of this cardboard box down. I want you to have proposals on my desk in two weeks on how we're going to do that from different vendors. So you, you, you've told them the expectation. You need uh, a cardboard box that's cheaper and you need it on your desk in two weeks. So those are the kind of things, setting those expectations make fee- people feel more uh, comfortable and more secure. Yeah. And I think the opposite side of that really is um, being guilty of drive-by delegation or underestimating the time it takes to do something. And I think uh, sometimes it's helpful and beneficial to know what is required in that particular skill set as opposed to just expecting that it's going to be done immediately. I mean, I think it's if you haven't done the administrative side of something and you ask your administrative assistant to perform some task or or follow through with something and you have no idea all of the steps that are involved in that, it's easy to have unrealistic expectations as opposed to if you have maybe done the work yourself or you've communicated fully with them and you really know what it takes to make a certain change that you might think oh, let's just innovate, let's change course, let's change direction, this is going to be easy shift, but there might be a hundred other steps that they need to bring all into alignment to fulfill that vision. And I think that's really important to make sure that the communication goes both ways from the person who's being delegated to 
and the person delegating just to make sure that those expectations are not missed. Yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of this all the time. I catch myself all the time with our, our client, my client coordinator, uh, Connor Caps. You know, I'll say, hey, Connor, um, we're going to need a financial picture from, from so-and-so. So can you get that together? And then I catch myself and say, hey, I'm sorry about that. Let me email that. I'm going to tell you who it is and when I need it by. Because if you mm-hmm. just, like I say, drive by and delegate something real quickly, you don't even know where that person's head is right now. They may be thinking about something else that they're already working at. They may completely forget about it. So stick to the stick to the time period. Be very specific, and then um, and and tell them when you know you you would like that to to take place. So the next one is give people working uh, give people working with you the support they need so they can better leverage you. And this, I think, comes mostly, a lot of people don't think about this, but I think it becomes mostly not only inside a business or office setting, but outside a business or office setting. I know we have a, uh, we have workers that actually bring their children to work on occasion when they have uh, sickness and they can't find any way to, to, to have somebody take care of the child. And everybody just kind of pitches in and says, Okay, well, well, we'll just we'll just help with the child until you can get what you need to get done, and then you can get back to the child. So that so supporting mm-hmm. not only within the business but outside the business, but um, it's also about giving the appropriate amount of time, the resources, the people to actually have them better leverage whatever you're trying to get accomplished. That's excellent. So then the next one is to make sure that there's a system in place so that you know when a project has been completed. And I think this really comes back to the communication element too. I think it's the follow through and the follow up, not micromanaging, but follow through and communication through a project. Because if you just delegate and expect this is going to be taken care of exactly as I expect it will, and there's not that closed loop, it's really easy again to miss expectations and think, oh, well, that was done and not realize that maybe they needed more support or maybe um, they didn't have enough information. I mean, even think of this not necessarily in your own business. It might not be an employee that you're working with. It could be an outside vendor or say you're working on some with somebody to complete a project. Maybe you're co-authoring a book together or you have a copywriter working with you or somebody in marketing or a virtual assistant and you're you're giving out uh, something that you need to have accomplished, but maybe they haven't got all the information from you yet that they need, or they're doing additional research. And so really making sure that you know that the project is completed and that they know the project is completed to the same expectations. Yeah. And if, and if you're like a, like me or any other business owner, I believe is time flies. And so um, I just, this just happened this morning to me. Um, the person that takes the, the, um, the applications, they said, did you get that uh, signature page from Joe? And I, and I, my first reaction was, I just, I just asked him about this on Friday. You know, can we give him a little time to respond? Well, the, it wasn't Friday. It was last Monday. So it's actually been 10 days. But, but to mm. me, it was time just goes by so fast that I don't realize I appreciate I appreciate her following up on that. I right. I have to I have to realize that my sense of time is not as good as her sense of time because 
my sets of times in my mind, her sets of times on her calendar, which, right. which, which is a good thing. Which is helpful to you then in in the process. And so, um, again, that can be easily missed expectations if there's not the communication. Right. And I think um, I would like to jump to number six here and we can come back okay. if you'd like. But letting people know this is something to do as you delegate. Let people know if you're just brainstorming so they know whether or not to take action. I think this is key as... I've been in a position of business growth for several years. There's just so much that can happen in a conversation that might be brainstorming to one person and action to another person. And especially if you have, uh, if you're aware of your Colby profile and you might recognize that somebody is doing research, but they're providing information to you about their research, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're ready for you to take action. I'm a quick start on the Colby. So sometimes I can say, okay, well, now I need to figure out how to actionize this, but I'm still working on actionizing the last thing. So how do we prioritize? And then we might realize, well, that's not necessarily something that needs to move forward right now. It's an idea that we need to hold in the wings until we have further information to be able to move forward. And so I think sometimes personalities and your core competencies and your skill set, your your way of being and doing most effectively sometimes plays a role in that where one person might think they're just talking about a vision. The other person might think that they're being told to take action or vice versa. You might be telling someone to take action. They think you're just dreaming or or planning for the future or or getting an idea or planning your ideals and your vision out into the future. So I think, again, just because you talk about something doesn't mean that everyone on the team knows how to move forward effectively. So it's not, it's not just communicating your vision, but then also saying, how do we break this down into the legs and feet that can walk this out and who's responsible? Boy, this, this one was my, I think some of my greatest growth over the last three years um, because of the Colby A and for any podcast listener, that's K-O-L-B-E and the letter A it's Kathy Colby. It's a, it's a, personality tests that really Kathy Colby has been working on that says, how would you react in a situation or how would you be if you had no restrictions on you? And Mm -hmm. this allows you, if you understand that from your coworkers, like Rachel, you, you know, I know you're a quick start and that's not, that's not bad because I am a five when it's a quick start. And so and just for reference sake, if, if someone's not familiar, 10 is the highest, right. five would be like a- Right. And it doesn't mean 10 is, it doesn't mean 10 is good and one is bad. It just means that's the way you are. You tend to um, get going on a project. I tend to uh, be more midline. I can move quickly as a five, but I also step back and I try to figure out where are we going with this project and it's Okay. But what ends up happening is if you're if you're with a 10 and this is and you hit the nail on the head, I have a 10 in our organization that's always trying to bounce ideas off of me. But they but they're not really saying, hey, I want to bounce this idea off of you. They they present it like that's the next thing we're going to do. Now mm-hmm. I've known this person for a long time and and this person frustrates other people in the organization and they often come to me and they're like, I can't believe we have to do this. Well, no, it's not a new procedure. All he's doing is saying, hey, I'm thinking we're going to be looking like looking at this. Now, 
Mm-hmm. It's good that you're adjusting to him or her, but you also need to, for they need to understand to adjust to you. So now that person, right. we've had really good conversations. Now that person will actually say to me, hey, this is what I'm thinking. I don't want to, I don't want you to take action on this. And, oh, I know you need to process this. This person says this to me now. I know you need to process <laughs> this. So go ahead and process it. And then let me know what you think about this. And Oh, uh, boy, I have learned that one. And I don't even know if that came because of the Colby, but I realized that a lot of what I say can sound like I'm ready to move forward right now with a brand new idea. And I, I have learned then for people who are more on the researcher side, as opposed to the quick start that I need to communicate, yes, let me give you this idea and think about it. And we'll talk later about it. Right. And that's, and that's part of the don't on, on the side, the strategic code says on this is don't be impatient. Let others grow. Let others figure it out for themselves. And that's what you have done as a quick start. You're, you allow people to process. I mean, you and I have had hours worth of conversations about these kind mm-hmm. of things. Well, Rachel, this is the way I'm thinking about it. And I don't, I don't really uh, think that we need to, to move forward on this right now. I think and especially when we're talking about right. clients, hey, let's give them a little bit of space, so on and so forth. And you've been wonderful taking in those kind of situations. So um, it, it's, you know, Gary Vanderchuk, which I'm not a huge Gary Vanderchuk um, dis- disciple. Right. But, but Gary says, <laughs> yes. why are we trying to say this is good or this is bad, especially with millennials? And I've started adopting this kind of idea. He says, this is just simple human evolution. So even in business, it is, and I'm a biologist by education. So this hits, this hit home for me really, really well. It's even in business, it's not about uh, you stepping outside of your body. It's about how individuals communicate with each other, which when you think about it, when man first started to communicating, they just communicated with either sign language or grunts. And then they started to communicate better by having more of a organized spoken word. And then they started making symbols on cave walls and so on and so forth. And then they started getting organized language where they decided, hey, these things are a verb. These things are a noun. These things modify the object. And they started writing those down. Then they started writing written words down. So the same thing happens in business is you shouldn't say, oh, this person's doing it wrong. This person's doing it right. Mm -hmm. No, all we're doing is trying to come together for the team and not be rugged individualists. Because when you say this is wrong by you and this is right by you, then those are just two individuals within an organization but you come together with communication and expectations. And that is the same way we just keep evolving as a human species. So that's one thing I I really agree with Gary Vaynerchuk on. Yeah, I really love that. And I love the idea of continuing to evolve and grow as people, as individuals. And then also we're expanding the work that we do in the world. We're expanding the ability and the capacity of clients we serve and vendors that work with us. And if we continue to improve and focus on our unique skill set and our unique ability, 
instead of trying to be prideful and arrogant and say, I'm, I'm better than everyone else. I can do it all myself. I don't need any support. I don't need any help. If we can instead recognize our strengths, value our own strengths, value the strengths of others, we can really together grow organizations that are self-sustaining. And as we're growing in that direction, we want to build businesses that produce income independent of us. So let's use that really as this ticket then to say, how do we delegate more? How do we focus on what we're good at, delegate the rest, and really be able to grow our business? Yeah. And as we we wrap up here, the one we skipped, I'm just going to read real quickly and give a a great example of it uh, from my past career. So the delegation it says to do is be available for questions, but then the don't is Mm -hmm. don't micromanage. And we've all been in those situations Mm -hmm. that it's, it's like, well, I, you gave me this project and now I have another question, but I don't, I don't know how to communicate. You're not in the office right now. You're out traveling, you're doing this. Uh, I've sent you an email. You get frustrated because you don't get back with emails. Well, some people get, you know, 200 emails a day and they're trying to, and then there's other people. And this is the, the story I will end upon. In the early 90s, when email was just becoming, I mean, it had been around before that, but it is just becoming like normal place in a workplace. I was working as an kind of an assistant principal under a principal. And she would send me an email. And at the exact same time, she would print the email off. And then she would walk it down 30 yards to my office and knock on the door, walk in and then hand me the printed email and and tell me, hey, I just sent you an email about this. So what do you think we should do? So so that's like the that's like the classic (laughs) micromanage kind of situation. Well, guess what? What somebody Uh like myself, who's a processor, that frustrated the heck out of me. Because I I'm needed sure. to, first of all, you hadn't even had time to look no, at it. No, I hadn't yet. even had time to look at it, and 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 she expected an answer right now. So that's about mm-hmm. micromanaging it, not being available. So if she would have just been available for the question that, that she asked me in the email, I could have then, when I saw her and I had time to actually process it, I could have I could have asked her a question to, to clarify it. So those are the delegation do's and don'ts. So that you don't become a rug, rugged individualist. I know I've said this before on podcasts. I say it all the time. I think uh, sometimes I'm into self-aggrandizement because I really am proud of this. I say, you know, I, I say this to people all the time. If if being a rugged a rugged individualist was such a great thing, then solitary confinement would not be a punishment. And and I <laughs> and true. I really I really <laughs> believe that. And because I was in the situation. Uh, in a business when I owned a repair facility and I, whenever something was going wrong, I was trying to take care of it myself. I couldn't talk to my employees about it because heck they didn't need to be, you you don't want to look bad. You don't want to look like, Hey, things aren't going smoothly. I'm the, I'm the smart guy. So on and so forth. You didn't, you couldn't talk to customers, obviously, you know, my wife at that time was traveling internationally. So I would come home and I would try to plow through invoices and and figure out um, accounts receivable, accounts payable. And I was just trying to do everything myself. So I've actually lived through this rugged individualist and I never want to go back. Ah, I love it. Thanks for sharing that. And I think as we are all growing, there's just so much that 
is rich in the growth. I mean, there's just so much that I'm more thankful, more at peace, more productive, the more we delegate and the more I find the strengths of others, rely on them to do their work, keep that communication open, but not trying to do everything myself. It's just so much more freeing so that we can mm -hmm. all move forward. So I would say then, if you're listening today, how can you apply this? First of all, we're going to have the link to the actual article by Dan Sullivan in the show notes. We'll have a really nice, um, oh, I forgot what it's called, but that image um, like the, that was in the yeah, article. Like the PDF image, you mean? Yes. Yes. There's a, another word that I'm thinking of for it. But anyway, that will be connected over in the article as well. And how can you think through this? Well, first of all, work to discover your unique abilities. Figure out how can you delegate everything else that's outside of your skill set to improve your own productivity and also the growth of your, your entire organization and your team. And how can you harness that power of teamwork with a focus on unique ability? And I can put a couple of these links in the show notes as well. In terms of looking at your own strengths and skill set, there's, there's several resources. We mentioned the Colby A profile. There's also the Strengths Finder. There's the Fascination Advantage there's DISC, there's Myers-Briggs, there's a lot of different personality profiling, but some are focused on the connotative, I think yeah, I'm saying that's that correctly, <laughs> aspects of how you are and what is innate to you in terms of your strengths. But really do a deep dive on your own skill set and find out what are you doing in your business that's not the most productive work for you so that you really can leverage the power of teamwork through delegation. So also in your business, please stop trying to wear all the hats. Don't be your own accountant, your own CPA, legal advisor, financial advisor, business consultant. We've developed a family office model with each person working in their core area of expertise to help you keep more of the money you make, protect it, and make more. So to optimize your financial life, you can email us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com to request your free financial picture conversation and will really help you maximize your wealth today and going forward into the future so that you can discover dollars that are flowing out of your control, strategize ways to get more of your money flowing back into your control with that end result then being more money that you have to keep and use in your lifetime and more to pass on and hand off to future generations. So thank you to, to you, our listeners today. Our show notes and resources are going to be at themoneyadvantage.com for you. And you can email us with your questions and comments, again, at hello at themoneyadvantage.com. And in closing, remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. To learn how high-performing entrepreneurs 10x or more returns on liquid capital without giving up quick access to cash, go to themoneyadvantage.com forward slash liquid dash capital to get The Unfair Advantage, your 20-minute easy-to-read guide on maximizing your savings. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. 
The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.